the apparent plan of the course of life might be explained to some extent as founded on the unchangeability and continuity of inborn character, as a consequence of which the individual is being continually brought back to the one track, for each recognizes so certainly and immediately whatever is appropriate to his own character that, as a rule, he hardly even brings it into reflective consciousness, but acts directly and, as it were, on instinct. Joseph Campbell was one of the greatest hermeneutists. He read books, lots of them. He started with Native American philosophy and then kept on going into other myths, philosophies, and literature. When asked how he meditated, Campbell once answered, I underline sentences. Reading awakened something in young Joe. It was calling. It was, as he would call it, his bliss. It was the path that was being made for him as he read more and more. It would lead him to find a golden thread from all traditions on the path of the hero. It would lead him to spiritual beliefs about consciousness and the power of the individual mind. It would lead him on his own journey, which included relationships with everyone from Krishnamurti to John Steinbeck to George Lucas. Many of us who love Joseph Campbell have to make a somewhat embarrassing admission. We love reading and listening to Campbell talk about the great myths and stories and philosophers more than we like to study them ourselves. Give me Campbell talking about how the Knights of the Round Table would begin an adventure by entering that part of the forest in which it was most dark and which no one had entered before, over a volume on King Arthur from Sir Thomas Mallory, any day. Intense scholars who only want to give you back the text without individual interpretations could dislike or often dismiss Campbell, who better than the best preacher could tell you how any great story was really all about you. What a better thing to hear. As Campbell read and read, he became more and more one of the most trusted wisdom keepers of our times and a hero in his own life. Campbell made his true retreat into work when he wound down his initial passion of running. He was a really successful track star. During the Great Depression, he began to truly immerse himself in his reading. It was from 1929 to 1934, five years. I went up to a little shack in Woodstock, New York, and just dug in. All I did was read, 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 and take notes. It was during the Great Depression. I didn't have any money, but there was an important book firm in New York called Stretchert Hafner, and I would write to them for books. The books of Frobenius were expensive, and they'd send me copies, and I wouldn't pay. That was the way people behaved during the Great Depression. They waited until I got a job, and then I paid them. That was noble. I really appreciated that. In the hero's journey, this is what we might call supernatural help. Campbell continues, I don't know what it was during these five years, but I was convinced I would still be alive for a little while. I remember one time when I had a dollar bill in the top drawer of a little chest, and I knew as long as that was there, I still had resources. It was great. I had no responsibilities, none. It was exciting, writing journals, trying to find out what I wanted. I still have those things. When I look into them now, I can't believe it. It's very difficult to find in the outside world something that matches what the system inside you is yearning for. My feeling now is that I had a perfect life. What I needed came along just when I needed it. What I needed then was life without a job for five years. It was fundamental. As Schopenhauer says, when you look back on your life, it looks as though it were a plot. But when you are in it, it's a mess, just one surprise after another. Then later, you see it was perfect. So I have a theory that if you are on your own path, things are going to come to you. Since it's your own path and no one has ever been on it before, there's no precedent, so everything that happens is a surprise and is timely. Campbell would also share Schopenhauer's point this way. 
in the later years of a lifetime, looking back over the course of one's days and noticing how encounters and events that appeared at the time to be accidental became the crucial structuring features of an unintended life story through which the potentialities of one's character were fostered to fulfillment. One may find it difficult to resist the notion of the course of one's biography as comparable to that of a cleverly structured novel, wondering who the author of the surprising plot can have been. Considering further that as the shaping of one's own life was largely an effect of personalities accidentally encountered, so too one must oneself have worked effects upon others. Reading is what fed Campbell and helped him find his path. Interpreting, entwining, and sharing these stories is how he walked it in an incredible way as an author, educator, and sage of our times. And at the heart of it all is this theory he shared about. Find your path. Never stray from it, and powers within and around you will come together to fulfill the calling of your life. This theory includes some destiny, but it isn't all about it. This theory includes a ton of free will, but it doesn't necessarily depend on it. Essential to Campbell's theory of finding one's wholeness and truly living one's story by discovering a calling and following it, well, it's kind of a creation myth. It wasn't before, and it won't be again, and yet it was meant to be. Not in light of a grand scheme for things, but as an expression of a deep nature that may or may not know what it is doing, but it certainly is doing. Why isn't a matter of discovery, but of self-realization? You and I are the why. Campbell shares, my old mentor, Heinrich Zimmer, had a little saying, the best things can't be told. They are transcendent, inexpressible truths. The second best are misunderstood. Myths, which are metaphoric attempts to point the way towards the first, and the third best have to do with history, science, biography, and so on. The only kind of talking is the last kind. When you want to talk about the first kind, that which can't be said, you use the third kind as communication to the first. But people read it as referring to the third directly. The image is no longer transparent to the transcendent. I think this is one of the many things that made Joseph Campbell one of the greatest hermeneutists and spiritual teachers. He knew how to talk in a way that pointed to the truth without ruining it with an explanation. With Campbell, the truth was always near.